You're listening to Have Mike, Will Travel with Elizabeth Santry. Hi, I'm Elizabeth. Welcome to the show. This podcast is about creativity, the professional aspects of creativity. Well, you could also say it's about creative thinking. You see, a career in a creative profession typically means carving your own path and making a lot of important decisions alone. And when competition is fierce and the market's uncertain, getting firsthand insight can really help. Join me as I interview full-time creative professionals and ask them to reflect on these really important moments in their career. Each episode, my guests open up about significant and sometimes even subtle choices that have led to their success. I know it can feel lonely out there, so I hope you find their stories as inspiring as I do. That's the sound of a really busy cafe that was originally a 19th century convent. This episode was recorded in Melbourne. Staying true to the religious themes, the cafe plays a soundtrack of really haunting but beautiful hymnals in the background. See, this is one of the places I got to visit based on a really awesome list that my guest, international graffiti artist, Roan, passed to me. After the interview, he actually sat down and gave me this huge collection of local spots that I had to see. That's how much he loves his city, and he wanted to make sure that I got a glimpse of it. His genuine friendliness came across straight away when we met. As soon as I came to his space, he gave me this really thorough tour. He's really proud of it. He walked me around and showed me other artists that he works alongside with and made a point of showing me that the open floor plan warehouse is open because of the trust amongst this artist community. None of the materials or tools are locked up, and that's how much they believe in what they're all doing. Roan was really easy to talk to, and he was willing to talk about any aspect of his career. He really loves the process of making work, and it really makes him happy. And he makes a great case for living and working with a positive mindset. It's because I think that a lot of his success comes from his sincerity and his authenticity. I hope you enjoy this episode. Thanks so much for having me, Roan. This is a really cool space. I have to sort of preface for the audience that we're really in the thick of it. You've got me in your studio. At any point, anyone could walk by, and there's work happening, so it could be an interesting show. We'll, yes. we'll work through the, the sound uh, of distractions. But thanks so much for having me. This is really cool. And you gave me a very superb, very thoughtful tour. I really did appreciate that. Um, it seems like I can tell how much you care and, and the commitment and the effort that's going into this place. So congratulations. Thank you. So you're from Melbourne, essentially. Yes. Okay. Um, where were you actually born? I was born in the other side of Geelong. Geelong's like a regional area that has it's about 300,000 people. And I guess, to me, that was the city. Okay. Um, but I grew up probably 30, 40 minutes from the city of Geelong on a, I guess, small hobby farm. We had cows and horses. And I pretty much grew up riding dirt bikes and paddock cars and doing fun things like that. that like, I didn't see... Like, the stuff that really influences me now, like graffiti and street art, like, I didn't see any of that until I was in my early 20s. Mm. So, um, growing up and starting to do street art and graffiti, I felt like I was a really late bloomer on it. Mm. You know, a lot of kids who got into this when they're 13, 14, I probably didn't start till I was 20, so... But you consider yeah. Melbourne home? 
Yeah. So okay. what, I moved to Melbourne to study, and like once I was here, I was like so happy to be out of Geelong because it was just such a you know it's a small town city and those kind of attitudes and you don't think globally you know when you're in such a small place like that mm-hmm. and it just becomes insular and. I just love that about Melbourne. It's such an international city, even though we are like a massive island at the bottom of the earth, so far from everything else. um, We still feel like we're competing on a global scale. That's great. I I absolutely fell in love with Melbourne in a lot of ways, and I'm really happy to have you on the show because this show started in Philadelphia, and there's so many similarities with uh, the culture, you know. Yeah. And, um, but I also, I love the fashion photography element, which I will bring up a bit later. But um, I wanted, so you, you had, Training, formal training, but in for graphic design. Graphic design. Okay. Yeah. And, like, where did you pick that up and when did you leave it? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, well, I actually studied high school. I was part of a program that was an engineering traineeship. So I worked at an aluminium smelter for the last couple of years of high school. So I learned, like, welding and, like, electrical engineering and all this kind of really engineering type stuff. But that kind of wasn't what I really wanted to do but it was something I was interested in. And I studied, you know, design while I was at high school and then got into a TAFE college, which is like a tech college. We did that for a couple of years. Didn't get into, like, the, the better universities. Travelled and applied again after travelling, and I got in as a mature-age student. Oh, cool. And I got there, and after six months, I realised, like, this isn't for me. I kind of... I felt like I'd learnt more than I needed to at the university, and I got a job. Oh, okay. I was quite. I was really lucky and hugely into skateboarding at the time, and I got a job as like a graphic artist for a skateboard company. It was like dream job, life's over. Kind Absolutely. Of, I've made it. You know that. Like at 21, I thought I'd made it, and like it was so cool. And you know, <laughs> I just got to design T-shirt graphics and things for skateboards, and just like do all the marketing and the websites. And I was getting paid to do it, and I was getting paid absolutely nothing. Now I look back on it and. I got treated like shit, really, but I learned so much doing it. Yeah. But, you know, after doing that for, God, four to six years, I can't even remember now. It's quite a while. So I was really experienced in doing T-shirt graphics. And I met my wife there, which is a fantastic thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the company that owned us was kind of collapsing for whatever reason. And so she had left, and then... I left just after her, and she's a fashion designer, so through a lot of her friends and stuff like that, I started just freelancing to other fashion designers oh. and doing t-shirt graphics. From then, I haven't had a job since I left that job. Mm-hmm. I don't know, uh, and I was, yeah, really happy about doing it, and I didn't really associate the work I was doing as personal. Okay. Yeah, so that was kind of cool as well. All the yeah. while, under the all surface, the there's this brewing love affair for graffiti and street art. Totally. As soon as I moved to Melbourne, mm-hmm. I fell in love with street art and graffiti. Right. Now, was when you moved here, did it visually look as, um, you no, know? No, it looked okay. totally different. Because there's I'll loads. Show, I'll show you some photos that interest later. But, okay. Um, what Melbourne graffiti and street art looked like, and it was totally different. And it was like small little stencils and stickers and, you know, like more traditional graffiti and I fell in love with that the small stickers and stencils because I could see it and it's like I can do that that looks like fun mm-hmm. so I started doing that when I was skateboarding and took over my outside of university life or work life and that's kind of how I got the job because they'd seen my work oh. at skate parks and like I was doing skateboard related things and someone kind of found out who it was and just it, like that got me the job like not 
That's fantastic. Like I didn't know I studied graphic design or anything right. like that. Well, the one thing I love about this point yeah. that I'd love to make is that it just goes to show that, I mean, nowadays it's just so competitive and sometimes really hard for someone who's coming up in the creative world, where to get seen, how to get noticed, how to get work. And that's just a great lesson in doing what you love with the passion and, like, yeah. and getting noticed for and not doing it for any other purpose or reason, yeah. that purity, and look what it turned into. I often like to talk about with people who go, oh, you know, how did you start your career in street art? I might as well be playing Monopoly with my friends, right? It's kind of fun, you do it, you might <laughs> do it on the weekend, have a few drinks, but it was just a social activity. Right. So you don't play Monopoly and think, I'm really fucking good at this. <laughs> Maybe in like 10 years' time, people are going to pay me to do this shit. Right. That was pretty much like the yeah. idea of it. Like, no way I could make money out of it. Do you think that's your saving grace? Do you think that relaxed, genuine, do it for the passion aspect is what got you this far? Do, do you think that if you had the, the wherewithal back then, would um, you have gotten this far? I'm mean, just curious. I don't, I don't know. Yeah, like, I don't, like, I almost feel sorry for the people starting now because, like, it is seen as a totally different motivation to start. Mm-hmm. Like, I've had people come to me and, like, recognize me for what I do and say, like, oh, I just got into street art and I did my first work. It's really unique. Um, it's unlike anything that's ever been done. And I'm working my way up towards an exhibition. And I'm like, okay. Oh, wow. And I was like, wasn't a kid either. And I was like, but he's done it to get noticed. Right. As doing street art or mm-hmm. something. It was, it was really weird. And like, <laughs> yeah, that's the kind of mentality going into right. it now. Yeah. Yeah. Where did the fashion, because uh, it looked like fashion photography yep. imagery, like where did that come from for you? Well, Working in the skateboard fashion industry, mm-hmm. you know, it's not the fashion industry by a long shot, but I did see a lot of that. I would look at those magazines and stuff, and like I loved a lot of that imagery. Yeah, and portraits. Yeah, a lot of portraits, and there was something I really loved about it. And I think the first one I got was first one I like ripped out a magazine and used was there was something about the look on her, which was. Um, it's not happy or it's not sad or it's like you can't, oh, you can't explain yeah. these kind of uh, emotions sometimes. And I know a lot of it's posed and stuff like that, but once they became painted, it kind of almost gave more meaning to it and made people really look at it as mm-hmm. like, what, what is she thinking? Like, you know, it's just painting the wall essentially, but you're kind of, you're giving it to a life. Yeah. And the other thing was I was painting a lot of, you know, skateboard related things and really into heavy metal and skateboard graphics and things like that and that was the kind of stuff I was put on the street and stuff my friends were doing and other artists was like you know it just became everything was like noise Mm. and when I started doing this very kind of soft feminine you know icons it had this pause to it Mm -hmm. and like this beauty and it really stood out compared to everything that was kind of aggressive and masculine and also, because I was painting them on posters and sticking them up, they would decay and fall apart. Oh. And, you know, people would rip them. And, but they'd still kind of hold their beauty, even though it was like, even just like there was one eye left or something like that sometimes. There was something about that, <laughs> yeah. just like that. The, the beauty and decay, you know, mm-hmm. juxtaposition. And I just loved it and I just kept exploring that. Now that I can, I've left, I used to do all just stencil work, but now I've kind of worked out of the paint freehand, mm-hmm. painting over surfaces that are really kind of textured and have character painting it like translucent so you can still see that character of the oh, wall. Oh, yeah. You know, so Very you still cool. get that feeling. Yeah, just kind of like When did it hit yeah. you that you had a style and that you, you know, did you know at the time, like, was it like a light bulb yeah. moment? No, like, I didn't. Were you just playing? Like, yeah. at different well, One of the stuff? things I, I hate that I hear people say, it's like, oh, you got to develop your own style and you're saying that to young artists and it's impossible. 
like you can't just like think of a new style. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's a journey, but it's it's. I mean, everyone's done it before, and everything's just a mashup of everything else. But once you've arrived at a style, like yeah. it, it's like knowing yourself. I yeah. I think it's worth doing. So I mean, I'm slightly defending it, yeah. <laughs> but like you're absolutely right. You can't see, set out on that journey. It it has to just happen very totally. organically. Yeah, I like, agree, and that's why I wanted to know. Like you're in this organic moment, and you're just playing around with imagery, and before you know it. It's one of those things, like, if this were a movie of your life, yeah. the voiceover would be like, and then he found his style. Like, I'm sh- that's what I'm saying. When did yeah. you know? I, I think I only realized, like, I had a new, unique style kind of looking back on it. But the way, my st- like, to describe my style is very drippy, painterly. Like, I don't use spray cans, mm-hmm. so I use all brush. And it kind of makes my work look a bit more unique than everything that's spray painted in a similar style. And it's very drippy, but the reason why my work looks the way it does that I'm no good with a spray can. So I was going to add, okay. It was more a... Um, a technical a, Yeah, a technical <laughs> thing. It's like, I'll work things out. Like, going back to the engineering idea, it's like, I'm very crafty with working shit out. It's like, I don't know if something works, I'll, I'll find out. Okay. And if I can't paint something with that tool, I'll work out how to do it another way. So, trying to paint with a brush on a wall and you can't get a nice blend of a dry brush and kind of waxy paint it kind of it just doesn't work so I started using a water spray bottle and oh. I'd spray water on the wall and that would let me blend it but that also mean means like if you use too much water it'll bleed yeah. and like it'll run yeah. and then I worked out how to use that kind of bleeding and running to give me these huge smooth blends now I can do a blend that goes across the cheek from the eye to the jawline over like two three stories on a building no way I could do that with a spray can even because I've developed this way to do it with like using brooms and spray bottles and just like a sh- tiny amount of paint and I kind of just made this style my own. Yeah, and it's also a lesson in tenacity yeah, and you stuck with it. Yeah, and it's like, I don't know, I just really wanted to be able to paint big Yeah. and I didn't know how to do it with, you know, the tools that are readily available so I kind of made a style out of something like that didn't exist and... Someone said to me, it's like, if you can buy it from a shop, you know, it's probably someone else already using it. And yeah, no, so you're right. I kind of like, like making tools myself or finding really obscure ones and finding new ways to work with them. Mm-hmm. And Manipulate, yeah. Yeah. That's cool. Um, well, so you're saying your, your work is yeah. huge, and it is. And so there's, every, and people are seeing it. And I had initially asked you when I walked in about, yeah. I was curious about what the drive is for this big work for everyone to see and you had mentioned that the, you know there's a community aspect that you really wanted to yeah. reflect a community back i wanted to note that i loved from the research i was doing it seemed to be that the women kind of the imagery women would change and reflect the culture in which it was being shown back to and that it's not you just trying to stick to this vision of a woman and yeah. it's not about your aesthetic it's a, and, yeah. and it's fluid i love that and are you conscious of it when you're doing it um Yes, I'm conscious of it. Like I have painted in the past where I wasn't confident enough just to take someone straight off the street from the community and paint them. And I had to work up to a point where I was able to do that. And in the recent, like only in the last 12, 18 months, I've been confident enough to do that. And you know, it's worked out fantastic when mm-hmm. I have. But that's a lot harder to do on the fly. Um, Absolutely. That's a whole other skill set yeah. to be able to do that versus paint it. Do you know what I yep. mean? And <laughs> Like, I've worked with some amazing models, and I've also realized that you meet a girl, and she looks so beautiful, but then you put her in front of a camera, and she just, like, freezes up. You know, 
like it gets lost on the camera. Some like with this one model, Teresa, I worked with, she's just incredible in front of the camera. But so walking down the street, she's like, she's beautiful. Right. But, but she's not like, hey, she's almost kind of hippie girl. She's kind of whatever, so relaxed. And she's not like all dolled up all the time. And yeah, in front of the camera, she's fantastic. Really knows all the angles and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. like, I probably took a thousand photos of her and 900 of them are fantastic. <laughs> but I take a thousand photos of someone else who, you know, if you compared her to Teresa, might look more stunning but yeah. you just wouldn't get that you That's wouldn't get that on film and like that difference and so trying to get that off someone off the street uh-huh. is really quite hard so you know paying someone on the street it's like I might have to take 100 photos to get the right one but I don't need one mm-hmm. so kind of learning how to work with people and get the angles or get the look that yeah, I need to Yeah because those are the skill sets of a photographer now that you're talking yeah. about you know and so you're really pushing yourself that's really cool yeah I love that um, I wanted to ask you about, um, I love the space, and I love the, 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 the healthy se- sense of healthy competition that seems to be going on here that yeah. I love, and that's the vibe here, and you seem to be kind of the front runner in developing this, yeah. uh, and, and also this uh, respect, in its mutual respect of work, like yeah. where, did, where did all this come from? Explain the process here. Uh, maybe it's because I've never had to climb the ladder or try and get up above people because there was nothing above us in this mm. area. We were just like, everyone who I've come up with, we've all been on the same level. Oh. We're all nothing to begin with and we've all kind of helped each other out and we've all kind of known each other for a decade and we learn little things and we go and talk to, you know, Kez from the the art store and it's like, oh, you should talk to Kez, she'll know something about that. And there's, you know, she's part of our community but she's like not part of our studio or whatever like she's you know someone who always helps us and would be the first people to help her if she needed something as well and there's other studios in this area there's a great one called Juddy Roller and they do workshops and stuff there and we're always sending people there and vice versa you know and I think if it's good for the whole community it's good for us because what we do is such a new thing and it's like it's not really accepted at higher institutions and most high art networks don't kind of acknowledge it yet. Mm -hmm. But if one of us gets into one of those places, it's good for all of us. Mm -hmm. I see that and I see a lot of my friends traveling and going overseas and doing amazing things. And and I see that as awesome as like just for Australian artists. Mm -hmm. Like Australian street artists at the moment are really dominating the international kind of graffiti and street art scene. Like if you took the top, you know, 200 relevant kind of street art graffiti people at the moment there's probably 40 Australians in there or something like that mm-hmm. you know or even if there's 20 Australians like that's quite a yeah. huge amount for yeah. the whole world for um, sure like I was in Miami at Art Basel and there was like at least 15 16 Australians that I knew really well and did you show there or just visit I showed there but it was like at a one of the extra shows because there's see. like literally hundreds of shows yeah and I just painted a bunch of walls and hung out with my friends and you know, and like I literally can walk down the street and bunch, bump into people that I know in Miami. Yeah. And we're so far from my home. Like, yeah. I know everyone that I know over there has flown like 24, 30 hours to be there. And when we, when we go there, we, we work really hard because we've gone a long way, you know, not to do anything. So, right. So I think that the Australians really push themselves because 
no matter where we go to, we have to make it worth it. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't fly here and there in two oh, hours. Oh, I did that flight, yeah. and I know exactly what you're talking yeah, about. <laughs> so it, it pushes you. It pushes yeah, you. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, so you, I love the point you made about, like, if one person rises up, it's good for the whole crew. And yeah. And you're saying that sometimes it's not seen as, it's seen as lowbrow. You must have made a big uh, splash when you did the Jean-Paul Gaultier exhibition. Talk to me about that, what that yeah. felt like. Um, and the transition you may have made to your, to your work or your collection. Yeah, well, yeah, it's quite one of those, you get a f- phone call from, you know, a massive institution like that, and they say they want to talk to you about doing a project. And you're like, yes, <laughs> before you even know what it is. Right. So it was like one of those situations, like, cool, whatever, yes, yes, yes. Then, like, the realities of it, you know, are never as great as the perception. All right, cool, you have to do this, and you've only got five days to install it, and you're going to do it during these hours. Wow. It's like 80 metres of wall space, and you have to paint. And they're, like, they were asking me to pitch really involved kind of murals and stuff, like, in four, four or five days, like, that isn't going to happen. So I kind of <laughs> reduced it to four portraits, but still I had to do pretty much a portrait a day. The floor we had to work on was um, beautiful blue stone. If you've got one drop of paint on it, it like just absorbs into it so mm. we had to do all this like had to cling wrap the floor <laughs> so it was 100 percent sealed and then put like a protective i don't know like foam or something over that and then put drop sheets over that wow. so if anything dropped and i still got paint on the floor you know and what like what had to happen to get that paint removed like they had this special kind of chemical uh, was a nightmare. wow so just working with those kind of institutions is amazing thing to do but it comes with its own set of problems i really appreciate you talking openly about that because like that's one of the missions of the show is to bring some reality to this lifestyle yeah and that's really cool to think about like you know people could just take that opportunity just to brag and just cover the highlights and be like it was amazing but it was amazing and but the challenges are there too the challenges are there too and because we were the first thing to go in before they set up the rest of it so they're like pressure to have us finished oh as well right Um, the clock it's clock, but it was awesome to see the behind the scenes how a show is put together. Something I've learned over the years is you always think that people who are you know, above you or your peers or people you look up to know what they're doing or these big galleries or even these museums, like, they know what they're doing. But, like, when you see it, it's like, they don't even know what they're doing. They're just kind of pulling it together and they're just like you or I. And that's kind of fantastic. Yeah. Well. It's like, get your shit together, guys, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I could have done this. And then you realize, like, yeah, I could have done this. It's like, they're the same as me. It's like, there's nothing special about them. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's really cool. Yeah. That's, a, that's that. a nice yeah. thing to say with people who are trying to climb yeah. up, to be reminded yeah. that everybody... They're, they're just doing it, <laughs> yeah. you know, and they're just working it out as they go along as well. And yeah. Someone told me that, you know, there's no right way to become a successful artist. Like, if you look at everyone's career, how they become a successful artist, everyone did it differently. Do yeah. you feel the sense, like, do you get it every day that this is a bit pioneering what you're doing that you're creating a scene that your 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 work and your efforts in, in you, with your crew or you individually are changing literally the walls of yeah. melbourne and that it's kind of a tide that's following the gravitation from this group of people do you feel that ever do you recognize it or because i'm getting the impression uh, some cultures don't like to brag or feel too good about what they do yeah americans are fine with like being yeah. good at something but i'm noticing others Australia, aren't. australians don't brag in general but i do recognize it's a shame you should try it sometime it's yeah. so great <laughs> just kidding yeah i do recognize it's you know we, we are influencing people and it's almost like you have to take a, a step back or you hear it from people that are going, oh, I picked up your book and, you know, you, 
you're the reason why I started doing this. I'm like, oh, that's really awesome to hear those things. And you hear from kids that, like, oh, I had to study you at school. It's like, what? Really? That's, that's hilarious, you know? Wow. And I don't know if that's just one teacher who set the subject right. or it's like, oh, we're part of the curriculum <laughs> now, you know, which would be awesome to hear that. And that it's still such a joke that, you know, we're kind of being an influence on Australia's kind of art scene in a sense and but like what an honor as well like mm-hmm. that's a I kind of see it as so honored to hear those things and come back to it and you know it's started from very humble beginnings mm-hmm. it's like we had no idea that it was like let's go back to Monopoly you know like, yeah we well, didn't care now I'm gonna <laughs> pull a Larry King moment on yeah. you and I'm gonna flip the script now let's talk about some struggle you yeah. know it's like yeah. I got you on a high feeling good talking about how you're influencing and pioneering yeah, yeah, yeah. now tell me no, uh, but no seriously I would love to know just the genuine you know crossroad situation you said that that developing this space is you know has had its challenges and i was just curious if you you know had something a story to share that could paint a very realistic picture of this lifestyle because that's one of my goals with the show is to keep it real and honest and and inspirational we've been i guess kicked out of every other space we've been in some were totally fine and it was time to leave and other times it was like all right you've got uh five days to move five years of shit (laughs) and you don't know what to do and you kind of go into a panic and it's like oh is this the end is this the end of our clubhouse (laughs) you know uh and where do we go from here and we ended up in an amazing space in abbotsford which is the next suburb across it's not collingwood it didn't have the same vibe and the space was quite beautiful but it was a a limbo situation where we got it for free but we may have to move out at any time oh but the space was i don't know the size of a city block uh, it was gigantic it was we could drive trucks inside and the the roof was probably up to like 40 foot tall in some wow. sections it was like an aircraft hangar which is great fun for like just to have six people in there and that's it but it was really scary at night <laughs> i don't know we went through a lot of disastrous things trying to get other studio spaces one turned out to be a meth lab which seemed perfect because like yeah we'll move into like an ex-meth lab like no problem with that no one else will want it and then I'm glad we didn't take that on because I hear that you can never get that I don't know the chemicals out of the building it's just like it always just seeps and just like really glad I'm not in that place well one reason I was wanting to know about your space is because of how important it is to you because you've made that full-time commitment you made that jump so this isn't like some people and it's you know, no diss to them, but yeah. some people are dabbling or part-timing or freelancing yeah. or, and you've made that jump and that's got to be really scary. So that's why I've... Um, yeah, all right. So making that jump for me was, I think I got to a point where a lot of my friends in this studio had had several solo exhibitions and they were doing great and I had a, you know, a little bit of demand for my artwork, but I'd never really pushed selling it. it was like I'd sell pieces at group shows and never had my own solo show. So... It kind of got to 10 years, I was like, this is ridiculous. I should do my own show. But, you know, I'd been taking stuff from these fashion magazines and I didn't feel right about selling that because oh, it was other people's, you yeah. know, photographs. Cool. And so I did it all from scratch. Screen print in the backgrounds, photographed a model and made the stencils from that and just built everything from scratch and made my like, own set of work. But all the way doing this, I was doing freelance graphic design at the same time and that's kind of what funded a lot of my travel and... Yeah, it seems like an ideal setup. It was an ideal setup. And and there's no harm in that if you'd stayed doing that. Yeah, and I was was really happy doing that (laughs) as well. So why push? Why push through and make it full-time this? Like, what was was, inside of you? It was 10 years. 
in my head, it's like, you know, I really should have a show. And I, see. I think there'd been a few things like recently around that time, like influential people kind of pushing me. And it's like, you know what, you should do more of this and would love to commission you to do this. And I was like, yeah, actually, maybe I should just do a whole show. And I basically told my clients, I'm really busy these two months, like before my show. And I think there's only one client I kept on just to, just to keep one going. And then the show happened and it totally sold out. And I got almost like 12 months worth of commissions from that show. Wow. And I was just like stopped answering calls. <laughs> but I had other friends who, like this guy Callum Preston, who just kind of moved back from the US and I just pretty much started forwarding all my clients onto him. Yeah. And Did it, you need I, that I certainty? Did you need it to be really clear? Like, I think I did because I was really scared because like there was no plan B. Like if I didn't have an income, I couldn't pay rent kind of thing. That was it. Like that was, yeah. that was the only way I was making money was freelancing design and that's kind of risky as it is. Yeah. So I had to kind of take another risk on top of that. It's like, ah, uh, and my backup plan was already risky. <laughs> right. But, I was so lucky that my show was so successful. I was like, this is crazy, you know, I can keep doing this. But at the same time, and even now I, I have it in, in my head that it's like, well, if it all goes pear-shaped, I'll always go back to graphic design, you know, and I still, you know, I love it. Is it a yeah. sense of comfort to know? Totally, yeah. Okay. So I feel so lucky to be doing what I'm doing, you know, and it's not like a lot of people probably perceive that I fly around the world and paint these walls and get paid huge amounts of money for it and... A lot of times I pay for it myself, and I pay for it by selling canvases. Mm. I sell the canvases because someone's seen a wall overseas that I've done. Right. It's all kind of part it of flows the circle. Into itself. Yeah. yeah, and so I use the money from the canvases or screen prints to sell to fund flying to other places yeah. and painting. And like I do get invites from a lot of festivals or whoever. It's like come out, paint this wall. But there's like there's no money in it. Like, and if I'm away for two weeks, it means I'm not make any, any money either so it's actually at a total loss but you're going for the amazing experience like oh fly to Hawaii and hang out with all the artists you really love and your other friends and get to do what you love doing it's like who can say no to that right you know? it's, um, it's well, an amazing I really appreciate yeah. yours being so open and honest because yeah. that's you know I think that's such an important thing to do and your you know, graciousness through this interview has been so great. I really appreciate it. Is there something that's like, happening that you're really excited about that you wanted to mention? Cause yeah, I I'm working on, like, I have to do mock-ups and sketches for... I'm going over to Austin, the South by Southwest. Oh, yeah. Austin's fantastic. Yeah, so for the first time, uh, South by Southwest are teaming up with Pow Wow Hawaii, which is one of the mural festivals, and they're bringing in myself and four or five other artists to start painting walls at the same time South by Southwest is on. So to be part of that, mm. like I went to Austin maybe six months ago and I met a few people there and I'm like, and that city's amazing. I really loved it and I was like, wow, it'd be great to get back here. And then I just heard, it was like, oh, power might be going. And it was like, started talking to people there and it's like, I really want to go. Make sure I'm on that list. You know, <laughs> just like started talking to people, but pushing my name. It's like, yeah, and just made sure I got to Austin and like, now you know that's all happening and good for you yeah so really excited about that and then there's other you know i've got a potential job in london to paint something and but that's not locked in and then there's something in la which might happen just before austin that's not 100 percent locked in and it's like a lot of little bits and pieces of travel and something yeah. in singapore and like 
these are the kind of things I'm negotiating now. It's just it's stupid that it's come to that. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's fantastic. Yeah, you know. It's a lot of hard work, though, and that's why I yeah. love to uncover all your story. And yeah. You've been such a great guest. I really appreciate you. your time. Cheers. Thanks for listening. Be sure to show your support through comments and reviews. 